0: When looking at the readings this morning, I was uh, immediately struck by how complicated they are and how deep they are, and I immediately started looking for something else. But as I, uh, as I looked closer and uh, was exhorted by some mentors of mine, I, uh, I stuck with what we have here today, but I am going to preach from Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's interesting to say that to see that uh, Paul is writing a letter to Rome, and I, I have already forgotten where he's writing it from I think Corinth, which is a long way away. <clears throat> Rome is you know way, way, way out on the other end of the world. And the Roman Church at this point was uh, a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Um, there were about 40,000 or so Jews in Rome, uh, out of about a million people in uh, 10 square miles, uh, for whatever that's worth, but you can see that the Jewish culture in Rome wasn't predominant as it was in other areas of Christianity, and uh, only about four percent of the population. So we're assuming that we don't know how actually the the gospel came to Rome, but uh, we can assume through Acts and through some stories of uh, characters like Priscilla and Aquila that they may have Actually, been the first people to take the gospel to Rome. In any case, that's who Paul is writing to. And when it says, "I beseech you, brethren," now I'm reading from the King James version, which only says "brethren," and in your version it says "brothers and sisters," and that's implied. In the Greek, uh, when it's ta- when the, you see the word "brethren," when you see the word "man," it's more translated "people." It's not. There are there are times when he's specifically speaking of men and women, but in this case it's all believers. And it is believers. Paul is writing to the church. The church is the body of Christ. It is a gathering, an assembly of people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe that he rose from the dead, and they believe that he ascended to heaven. This is not standing out on a a street corner, trying to convert people that have never heard of Jesus. This letter is to the church, the believers. By the mercies of God, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. The mercies of God he's speaking of here is the gospel because the gospel tells of God's mercy. It tells of God's plan for peace between men, women, and him, each individual man, each individual woman, and God. It's his plan for peace because we are in lawlessness due to Adam's fall. We are all sinners. The Gospel of John says it clearly and we say it every Sunday here. We are all sinners and if we say that we're not sinners, we're deceiving ourselves. We are. We're sinners. So by the mercies of God, this is God's plan to Bring those who are in lawlessness back to him. I'm going to read from Luke, second chapter of Luke, which is one of my favorite stories, which talks about the beginning of this whole process. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I think a couple of my choristers could probably sing The music that goes along with that from Messiah. Yes, they can. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When I first heard this, I have heard it many times, being a musician, it's part of Messiah by Handel. I always pictured when Jesus came as a baby, he brought peace and he brought goodwill, and everybody would be happy and everybody would get along. But that's not what it says. It says, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, from God. Jesus' coming is peace, an offering of peace between God and us, not between me and you, or you and your neighbor. Has the world become peaceful? Has the world ceased to have wars since Jesus came? This is a tale of peace between us and God. And how can we have peace with God? We can have peace with God by believing on his son. That's the only way. Believing on Jesus Christ. And that is how he came to us as a baby. Heralded by angels. Just a little nerd thing here. One of the the most interesting things I've learned about the angels is the heavenly host of angels, that's the army. Those are the soldiers. So when the heavenly host showed up to these shepherds, can you imagine seeing the army of God, angels ready for battle, standing there? I mean, that, that would have been something to see. Jesus came by the grace of God to make peace possible between God and each individual person through belief in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Peter, in today's reading, proclaims, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved purely by the mercy of God. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, God's mercy, his forbearance has been long and is still present. Because God is love, but God is also righteous. God is love, and God is truth. God is love, and God is just. And we are enjoying that forbearance. We have the ability to come to his Son, to put our lives upon him, the devils believe in Jesus, they believe in God, and they tremble. So it's not a matter of acknowledging that he exists. It's a matter of putting yourself on him. Putting all of your existence into him. In Hebrews 3, it says, Today, if ye will hear his voice, hearken or harden not your hearts. And it says this over and over and over again. What, it's, what is it talking about? <clears throat> Hebrews 3 is the letter to the Hebrews. We think it, Paul wrote it. It's not an absolute certainty. And this is hearkening back to, I believe, um, <clears throat> well, it's hearkening back to Psalms, and the psalm is hearkening back to the story of the Hebrews about to go into the promised land. They had escaped Egypt by the miracles that God provided. They had fled uh, successfully fled um, Pharaoh's armies uh, that had been destroyed in the Red Sea and they had come to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. And they had strayed from God and returned to God and strayed from God and returned to God. And they end up now finally at the precipice of entering, crossing the Jordan and going into the Holy Land. And they send out scouts to check out the Holy Land and see what's going to happen here. And they come back And most of the scouts present what the Bible calls an evil report. They say that these people are too strong for us. There's no way we'll be able to conquer them. You know, this is not going to work out. But look, grapes the size of a house. You know, I mean, so they brought all this stuff out to show how great it's going to be. But they were afraid. They were afraid, even though God had brought them through the Red Sea, God had delivered plagues to. The Pharaoh, to set them free. He had shown them signs and wonders. He had led them through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And yet they were afraid to go into the land. And this is exactly what this is talking about. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Today, today is the day to believe just as the the Israelites had their chance to believe on him at that day. And because they didn't believe, because they didn't go in to the promised land, they were made to wander 40 years in the wilderness, which we hear about all the time. That's why. They were made to wander 40 years in the wilderness because they did not believe God. And in Hebrews, he's talking about this. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, how be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? It was not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, or whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. And to whom swear that that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not, And here's the the phrase, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We are offered grace through God's mercy. God has mercy upon us. His Son came to show us that mercy because we are sinners. We are. We can't help that. But we can change that. Through God, through his grace, by his grace, through faith in his Son, and completely in his Son. That's how you have, a, you have peace with God. That's how you have a relationship with God. That's how you are able to be part of the church. The church is the body of Christ, and he is the head. The church are believers. If you don't believe, you're not part of the church. that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Holy, if you look in the New Testament Greek, is defined as holy. Doesn't really help much. So you have to go back to the Old Testament where it's kodesh, which means to separate or cut. So if you're cooking carrots and you're chopping up those carrots, and then you slide some of those carrots off. To the, you're separating them out, right? So it's a separation. Being holy is being separated, being put apart. It says, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Acceptable, what God views as acceptable, is told us very clearly in Micah, which I think we read just a few weeks ago. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly is to do what is just and what is right. Not right by the world's standards, but right by God's standards. To be truly just, to be righteous, and to love mercy. If we don't love mercy, then we will never have a relationship with God. Because what do we say every every uh, week in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those, forgive others. Jesus says, if you do not forgive the sins of other people, then you don't have him, and you don't have God. He won't forgive your sins either. Now I know this sounds a little bit like you have to do something to get into heaven. But by the power of God, all things are possible. By the, by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, you do have the power to forgive people. And you can be forgiving. And then finally, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may provide what is good and acceptable and perfect and what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here in this place, you hear the word of God every week. You can believe it or not. It has the power to cut and make you holy. It has the power to draw you to His Son with the cords of love. You can be brought into a saving faith with the Savior, Jesus Christ, By hearing the Word of God, because it is quick, which means it's alive and powerful and sharp as any two-edged sword, and it cuts even down to the soul and spirit. So hear the Word of God, and the Word of God is present right here. It's in the Bible. And this is the only place you're going to find it, in the Bible. Going to other sources is not going to help. It's only going to confuse. Here in this place, you're confronted by the word of God. You hear it every week. Listen to it. Study it. Spend time on your own. If you hear something you don't understand, find a Bible, pull out a Bible, and read it. Be cautious that you're not the group in the parable of the sower, that the seed, which is the word of God, is thrown upon, and it's choked out by thorns, which are the cares of the world. We live in an, affluent t- in an affluent town. We all have nice things. We're concerned about those nice things. We're trying to buy a house for the first time, and I can tell you that that pulls your mind away from anything else. It tears you and completely focuses you. I can only imagine what other possessions can do. So it's difficult because the word of God, it doesn't work well when it's being choked out by the world, and that's what this verse is saying. Be not conformed to the world. Be separate. Be holy. Believe.